nervous? <laughs> no. Where's your answer? Dennis Beckham, let the ball out! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Oh! oh, no! Oh, yes! He missed it! Good morning, and welcome to the Suffering from Joy podcast. I'm Devin. I'm joined today by Brayden. Say hi, Brayden. How's it going? Ah, uh, return guest. How you feeling today? Um, a little, t- we'll call it tired. Um, having to get a lot of co- coffee to get going, but uh, generally happy about uh, results from yesterday. Okay, that's good. And we have a special first-time guest today, uh, Charles Peacock uh, from the False Nine, Texas. Charles, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good, good. Uh, I'm in a similar boat as Brayden. I've had better mornings. Um, make sure to, uh, to follow Braden at TFA Braden on Twitter, um, and follow any of the false nine stuff, uh, at the false nine TX on Twitter. Um, nine is spelled out and I N E. And, uh, this is also a special show brought to you today by the number zero, zero goals scored, zero waistcoats for Gareth Southgate, zero sick dime bounce passes from Greg Berhalter. The one thing we actually pay him for. And of course, zero wins for England at the world cup. Over, over the United States. So we got some general feelings. Um, Braden, you want to take us into a quick tweet size take or kind of a brief summary of how you feel about the game? Uh, mine's going to be hard work pays off. Like, I think you saw a U.S. midfield that maybe didn't have the stars uh, that England have when you talk about Declan Rice, Jude Bellingham, uh, both, you know, kind of talked around as 100 million or so uh, pound players uh, for and transfer fees in the future maybe. And you saw U.S. guys who were, work just as hard as them and pretty much neutralize them. So I, I was very happy with our midfield from yesterday. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I thought they were all good. Maybe Weston still lacking a little fitness and kind of trailed off a little bit. Um, anything to add there, Charles? I think it was clear that Weston was kind of gassed at one point. Uh, I think generally my idea about, about the match yesterday is the idea that uh, U.S. and England gentlemanly decided to shake hands and agree to both share a point. Um, because it fucks. Exactly. And so uh, to to me, it felt like a game that was there for the taking for either team and neither coach was willing to make a change or an adjustment to go for a win. You know, I think Southgate and, and Burhalter ultimately are coaches that uh, prioritize defense and prioritize safety and conservatism. And we saw that yesterday that both of them, you know, were much more interested in getting a point than trying to get three. Yeah, and I think it was safe for, for both sides. Um, England obviously would have preferred to win and uh, to be guaranteed through, but um, a point everybody's still alive on the final day, and really you go into a group, and that's what you want. I mean, just ask Argentina, who uh, who hasn't played yet, but uh, they lose to Mexico, um, and they're gone. They're the second team out of the tournament. So um, survive in advance has, has treated us pretty well so far. Um, Charles, do you have a, a tweet size take for us? I mean, I, I think the tweet size take is, is that um, for a match that was the Friday after Thanksgiving, it definitely exemplified what a lot of casual soccer fans think about soccer. <laughs> uh, it, it was it was a nil-nil draw that really, I think the total XG between both teams was only 1.3. It was not a good example of attacking soccer or exciting soccer. It was ultimately a game between two teams and two managers that were perfectly content to not score. So it was a little bit of a tactics nerd. I kind of loved it, especially in the first half, seeing them go uh, go back and forth, and uh, especially us kind of drop, but also have that trigger press up front and, and kind of dictate who was allowed to pass. And, you know, we were kind of saying, hey, if you want to have John Stones hit a 
40-yard ball down the channel to, to one of the wings, go for it, but that's all we're going to give you. Um, but, you know, to the neutral observer um, who who only watches uh, American football and kind of goes, oh, I'll give this a shot, it, it was not a great uh, great display. Anything to add, Braden? No, I, I was just going to add the extra model that I saw had 1.1 between the two. Teams, oh, wow. So even a generous model. Um, I, I agree, though. Like, kind of a sloppy game. I also enjoyed... Uh, kind of the tactical battle a little bit uh, with how aggressively you took Bellingham out of the game. Um, but yeah, overall, not a lot, not a lot of moments that you kind of look for and no real sustained pressure by either team. Um, but eh, it was okay. I, I, I was fine with it. I, I think the, I think England needed to come and try to get three points more than we did. So kind of job done for us, I think. Yeah, we kind of joked about uh, the the Wales game being a a one one loss, and this one kind of feels like the classic zero zero win yeah. um, in, in a way. So I think I'm going to use my tweet size take and say uh, some things never change. Uh, we were going into the into extra time, and I was just re- ready and willing to finally praise uh, Greg Burhalter for a game that wasn't played in the U.S. And then we did that chicken shit move at the end where we didn't even kick the oh, ball yeah. with absolutely no risk, and I was just like ah. And I mean the same on the England side too. England came out and played this great flowing attacking football on uh, against Iran, and then just went back in there. Uh, nope, we're gonna play everybody behind the ball whenever you guys have it if we can. Um, no attack, everything's stodgy, and nobody there's no movement, and everybody's just gonna kind of. It's almost like a reverse horseshoe of sadness in your own back. Oh um, um, no, that attempt at the end by the U.S. of like foregoing the open free kick of a perfect chance to just bang into the box to whatever tall players you have and instead going short was the most asinine thing I've ever seen. And it perfectly exemplified what is wrong with Berhalter. <laughs> Great. Anything to add? I like, mean, all right. I, I think we're getting um, a little carried away, but yes, I agree. <laughs> Put it in the box and see if someone gets ahead on it. Sure. Like yeah, it's, it's, we've never it, gotten it, carried away here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is. It is a free lottery ticket to try to get a header in. Like, Oh man, I you just had Harry yes. Kane basically miss a free header on the other end. Roll the dice, buddy. Yeah, no, I mean that that is all very fair, but and we talk about it as it was a free header. But I think one thing we've seen is that the rest are very willing to let a lot more um, additional time be played. So maybe the calculus was that we don't know exactly what it was. So I I don't know. Put it in the box. I, it's just do it. <laughs> I know we have a, a minimum quota of criticizing Greg Berhalter here, so uh, fair enough. We'll, we'll, we'll get it out of the way early, but um, no, <laughs> oh, no gonna... we're not getting it out of the way. It's not stopping. Just a point. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, no, I felt the same way against Wales. I was like, oh yeah, you know our center backs are playing really well. Walker Zimmerman gives up the penalty, and it was the same feeling with a uh, with Berhalter on this. Um, so let's jump into the game a little bit. Not a ton to talk about. Obviously, no goals. Uh, pretty good chance early. Uh, Jude Bellingham slides in. Bukayo Saka squares it for Kane. And I think it's uh, Zimmerman makes a good block early here. Yeah. 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 Um, kind of, you know, they felt the, felt around for about 10 minutes. And then this kind of is the first shot across the bow. Um, good recovery. I thought it was great for, for Walker to have a good play early in the game and kind of get his feet set and kind of say, okay, yeah, I'm still in this. Um, Charles, any thoughts there? Uh, I thought Zimmerman was a lot better yesterday. I think it helped that um, Kane is a, a striker who's a little bit easier to mark. Um, he's not somebody who who uh, is really going to like get behind, you know. And and combine that with the U.S. playing more of a mid block, 
um, than playing the high line that they kind of like to do do at times, which I don't think is to the advantage of Zimmerman. Um, I thought he played a lot better. The defense looked a lot more cohesive. Yeah, there was actually a moment towards the end of the game where the ball came deep in our end and no one was near it. And it was, uh, I think it was Walker and Kane both sprinting after it. And it was like yeah. uh, watching two <laughs> players run in sand at that point. Um, I, granted, they're still faster than I am, so I can't criticize too much. Uh, Braden? Yeah, I was going to say Zimmerman or Kane are both players that have to think to run faster, uh, which is not something you <laughs> want. Like, like fast players just run fast and these guys are like, no, I've got extra gear. <laughs> Keep going. Um, I yeah, I, I I agree. Like it's good to see Zimmerman uh, get in and you know make a decisive play uh, pretty early on. Um, we've seen Kane score tons of those goals in the Premier League where they just go through someone's legs and uh, get on net. So um, he was a difference maker in, in that early part of the game and, and kind of kept us in it. Because I think if we had conceded a goal there in the first fifteen minutes, where I think England pretty like I think that was England's best spell of the game, where they were pretty much on top of us. Um, that would have been a very different story, but uh, we kept it nil-nil, and um, I, I thought we grew into the game after that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure everybody uh, watching with me got really tired of me saying, just sur- survive the first 10 or 20 minutes. Just survive the first 10 or 20 minutes, because I would say it about every minute or two, <laughs> um, or any time the ball went out of play or something mildly interesting happened. Um, so totally agree there. Charles, anything to add? Uh, yeah, no, I, th- I think the biggest thing the U.S. needed was to stay in the game and believe in themselves. Um I think that happens a lot of times that, you know, once a team goes down early, they really kind of just like doubt that they're able to stay onto the pitch with the team. And the longer the game went on, you could tell that the U.S. gained confidence, especially in the second half, to where they really started going at them. Yeah, and you can kind of see this with teams when they play Man City, too. If they survive that kind of initial 15, 20, maybe half an hour onslaught, they kind of go, oh, maybe we can do this and actually uh, stand up to them a little bit. Um, Different Middle Eastern oil state, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, moving on a little further in the game, we actually, uh, about 25 minutes in, we start to get a lot more possession, a lot more spell. We were playing great, um, basically balls into one of the forward midfielders and then, um, from one of the wingbacks, kick it on, uh, either to a winger or the wingback again. And, uh, this pattern of play worked for us really well for a little while, uh, end up with a great, uh, chance for, for Weston McKinney. Um, you know, everybody in, in my house is like, oh, Weston's got to do better there. I thought it was a chance, but nothing exactly that I'm going to beat him up over for uh, for not putting on, uh, at least not putting in the net. Maybe it would have been nice to test the keeper. Um, Charles, any thoughts on that chance? Um, to be honest, I thought, uh, I think my biggest thing is that I just want the chance to get on net. Like, even, like, a weak shot on net is still better than skying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've seen that over and over again in terms of being able to get a rebound. Or even, you know, we saw the replay a thousand times in the last few days of the goal that Clint Dempsey scored where Rob Green just, you know, lost it. <laughs> like, you have to, like, I think putting pressure on the keeper and forcing the keeper to make plays is inherently valuable. And that was my biggest frustration with McKinney yesterday was he just, you know, he, he got in good positions to shoot and just didn't even make the goalie work for it. Yeah, and I mean, Jordan Pickford is a nutcase. He's um, he's usually pretty good for England, uh, but you watch him play for Everton, and he is definitely um, a, a mental basket case at times. So I wonder if that uh, that Rob Green thing uh, getting played over and over would have maybe been in the back of his head. Any thoughts, Braden? Yeah, I, I find it hard to criticize McKinney too much for that. Like, I, I agree you want to put it on net, but at the same time, like when you get a chance with that, you, you really want to go for what you think has the best chance of finishing. And I think it's, you know, hitting as hard as you can towards the middle of the net. And 
Uh, you know, it just got away away from them a little bit. Like it, it's not that much of a difference. Uh, like if you know, move the fit foot an inch or two, and that's you know straight in the back of the net, Pickford would have no chance. Uh, but it just didn't turn out that way. So I, it's unfortunate. Maybe if McKinney had played a little bit more and was a little bit more match sharp um, coming into the World Cup, maybe he buries that. But it's a, it's not as easy as a chance as I, I think some people think it is. Like it, it's a pretty difficult trick to volley that um, and be the keeper right there. Yeah, like I don't think it's like an auto goal or something. Like it's not like something that's gonna like stand out in XG. It just to me like, especially in a match where you know that shooting opportunities are gonna be at a minimum, you know, really taking advantage of those is important. And and I I just I know personally I put a lot of value on just at least making the goalie make a save especially somebody, you know, T-Rex armed like Jordan Pickford. Yeah, and I mean, you know, maybe he doesn't score, maybe Pickford saves it and we get some sort of weird rebound, like a, you know, greasy hockey goal type of thing. Whatever, we'll take him in the World Cup, we'll take him against England. Um, Moving forward, we get what I think is probably, at least for the U.S., the best chance of the game. Um, Nice nice passing move, Pulisic cuts inside, uh, unleashes just an absolute laser beam off the underside of the bar. Sometimes they go in, sometimes they don't. Uh, Clearly beat Pickford. Um, Charles, what are you thinking? Uh, I was pleasantly surprised that uh, Pulisic got that on net because that's just a move that you see a lot of players do where they're, you know, they use their weaker foot and it's at a tight angle and they just, you know, don't even get it on. Uh, I thought Pickford was really lucky uh, that it didn't go in because he was clearly beat. He couldn't even get a finger to it. Um, And there was definitely a space there that had it just, you know, been a little bit different that was a that but that showed how dangerous Pulisic can be even in situations that don't look dangerous yeah and I mean I I think we're all going to agree that Pulisic was a thousand times better in this game than he was against Wales oh yeah Uh, no the the more he's involved and the more he's able to uh be central and get one-on-one defenders and running and moving he's so much better I think that's something that gets lost gets lost when he plays at Chelsea is he doesn't get the ball on the move ever and he doesn't he always has to like get the ball and then immediately start instead of instead of being able to already have momentum when he's going and he's such a better player when he has that all right you heard it here kids never go to chelsea official from the false nine texas uh bring anything to add <laughs> yeah the i really wish we could have gotten out of net instead of the frame of the goal i saw a very interesting stat that since the uh 94 world cup uh, the U.S. is tied with Germany for most times they hit the post in the group stage with 13 times. <laughs> oh, Lord. Wow. Yeah, it is like, that was an extra, extra World Cup for Germany. Yeah, I know. Like, I started going through that. I was like, yeah, you had Dempsey early on against Algeria. <laughs> like, like, all the moments of sadness <laughs> from prior World Cups. And we um, had a sergeant against Wales hit the hit the woodworks. Yeah. So we have more woodworks yeah. than goals in this tournament. So, God. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean... Look, it, it was a decent chance. I don't think it was a great chance, but like it, it's it's one of those that the U.S. is going to need one of those to go in, I think, to to get past the, the group stage. And it, it wasn't this game, so hopefully we get kind of a plucky chance like that. It was kind of like feels like didn't create it out of nothing, but like it was good work to to create enough space to get that shot off, and uh, unfortunately just didn't go in. And that happens sometimes. Yeah, like you said, it wasn't nothing, but this was always going to be a tight kind of cagey game, and that you know, might've been the the amount of space we needed or we were going to get, and we got to figure out what to do something with it. And I'm with you. Maybe not this game, maybe not against Wales, but you know, you got one more, <laughs> got to figure it out at some point or you're going home. Um, hitting the post. <laughs> yeah. Stop hitting the post. But I wonder if that's going to start to get it. So there's this thing in uh, hockey where basically if a goalie makes a couple of good saves and 
people start seeing a smaller goal. And I'm sure this happens in every sport. Um, I mean, you see it in basketball players too, where you start hitting back iron all the time and, and you just need one. And then once that happens, everything's kind of like, okay, weight off your shoulders. Um, so I'm wondering if we're just seeing a smaller goal and we're maybe trying a little too hard and getting in our own heads here, but um, I hope not. Uh, last, uh, last little bit of the first half, there's kind of a weird play that breaks down and then um, the ball ends up on, Saka's foot on the offside from where he was playing and uh Anthony Robinson did a great job to to follow him over and cover otherwise this is a completely like unmarked shot from about six eight yards out skies it over and never had a chance to go in but a uh, dangerous player in a dangerous area um especially in a game like this where there's not a ton going on I was really happy to see our guys were locked in even as halftime's approaching because it's really easy to to sag off there uh Braden any thoughts I yeah, we. I thought Anthony Robinson had a great game. Like, it, and it's it's. We'll probably get to this later on. Like, but I think that most of the players on the pitch had a very very strong performance. But especially with the challenge that Robinson had Basaka all game, I, I thought he did really really well. Um, I, I don't think he's been full much longer. Yeah, <laughs> Charles. Oh no, agree. Uh, I thought Robinson did a great job. I thought he um, both on even just keeping Saka from being too dangerous, but also being able to get forward, um, which is something that the, that the U.S. system really requires of its fullbacks. I thought him and Des played really well. I thought the whole defense played really well yesterday. Um, hopefully that's more of a, I think, and the other part is uh, we're really fortunate that Robinson's locked down that left back spot because I'm really not sure who else would even play there. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, we can kind of wrong side someone and yeah, it's it's not going to be pretty. But like you said, I mean, even if we have a decent replacement, it's probably, okay, well, maybe I can, you know, shackle soccer, or maybe I can get forward. But the ability to do both is hugely important for us. And, and yeah, he's not going to be at full along. Somebody's going to snatch him up. He's he's better than that level at this point. Uh, do you think he gets the English tax? Because he he's born in England. He sounds English, but he plays for the U.S. I, I think the English tax is more about how English clubs always uh, uh, charge more for the other English clubs to buy. So I think he's definitely going to get English taxed. Braden? Yeah, and I think he'll count as homegrown. Like, I think that's also a key part of uh, the English taxes. You have to have so many players on your roster that qualify as you know, homegrown. So I, I think that that will push him uh, to being a little bit more expensive than he probably would be otherwise. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, moving forward, uh, going into the second half, not a ton going on, really. Uh, no big chances that I can remember. Um, some subs coming in. Uh, realish for Sterling, kind of a similar like for like, a little more dribbly, a little less off the ball movement kind of guy. Um, just mixing it up kind of made sense to me. Uh, Jordan Henderson for Jude Bellingham. Uh, Braden, any thoughts on this one? I was kind of no, shocked. I was cheering. I was cheering. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I was so happy. Yeah. Uh, Charles, I don't know if you have this, but there is an eternal Arsenal fan complex that we will never admit Jordan Henderson is any good because uh, he isn't. <laughs> But I don't know how you felt about that sub. <laughs> uh, I mean, here's the thing. I'm I'm a Manchester United fan. I think Jordan Henderson is terrible. I've never understood why anybody thought he was good. Um, him bringing on was just like I I actually cackled laughing uh, when I saw that uh, and who he was coming on for because I was just like, oh, Southgate has told Burhalter that he's not trying to win the match now. Like you don't if you're trying to get three points, you don't put Jordan Henderson on the field. You just don't. Yeah, and, I agree. It was a one-point decision. Like, like, it was like, no, uh, hey, I'm going for a draw here. And especially when U.S. had subs left, like, a a 
a more aggressive coach would have seen that and been like, oh, let's go for it, guys. Like, let's like let's throw on, you know, let's throw on Jesus Ferreira. Let's throw on uh, Geo. Let's let's try to push them a little bit because he has signaled that he is not trying to win this match. Well, the the counter argument that I'll make for Captain Waistcoat here is that um, <laughs> we had completely destroyed them in the midfield, and Bellingham plays a little bit more forward, and so maybe he's just trying to get that anchor and actually have some possession deeper in midfield. Because at that point, too, uh, I think I saw stat that it, um, when the first subs were made, Harry Kane had had one touch in our box and three touches in the England box. Yeah. So they're trying to trying to move the ball forward maybe a little bit more, but I'm with you. That's uh, hey, we're setting or closing up shop. We're just going to try to not lose this game type of type of sub. Those come at 70. Um, our first subs not till the 77th minute, and part of that was I think we were trying to make a sub earlier, and there wasn't a break in play. Yeah. Um, but we bring on a whole bunch of people. Oh no, we only have two here. So it's uh, Shaq Moore for Serginho Dest. Um, any surprise we're not seeing Yedlin there from either of you? I thought this made sense. I, I thought it made sense, too. I, I don't think Yedlin was great against Wales. And I think kind of the role he was brought into play against Wales of being kind of a veteran who knows how to navigate the game, I, I think he did that terribly. And so I, I think this is giving Shaq more a chance to say, hey, this this backup spot is up for grabs. And, like, you can be the closer in these games. So I, I think I thought that made uh, a good bit of sense. Charles? Yeah, I, I agree. I think that um... – Yedlin's value has always been his ability to attack and his ability and his pace. I don't think this was a match that called for that. Um, I thought bringing more on was definitely a, uh, was definitely a more defensive move, putting on fresh legs, uh, putting on somebody who's familiar with the national team and knows what he's doing. Um, you know, we, we talk about the depth of the roster and, you know, Greg brought four right backs to, to Qatar and he should use all of his right backs. Yeah. And I mean, just to be clear, like every right back we can sub in for Serginio Dest is definitionally a defensive sub because none yeah. of them are anywhere near as yeah. attacking as he is. Yeah, I, I, the, the, I think one of my biggest disappointments of the match was that at one point Dest was in the box, essentially one-on-one with McGuire and didn't get a shot on. And I'm just like, how? Like, my brain did not uh, calculate how that was possible because I, I've watched both of those players extensively and I've seen Harry Maguire try to defend all number one against fast players at United. And I'm like, where the fuck is that? Like <laughs> Maguire playing for Southgate is, is different though. Like I, I thought Maguire was far and away England's best player yesterday. Oh and... no. He, yeah. Agree. I, I think my criticism of Maguire is why the fuck can't he do that in a red shirt? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but no, yeah. But when he plays I, for England, we're, he's we're so much better. <laughs> I mean, some players are like that. You look at uh, Richarlison for Brazil is like a world-beating superstar and scored the goal of the tournament so far. But, I mean, in the EPL, he's a good player, but he's not like the force of nature he is for Brazil. And I guess maybe you can say that's the the people he's surrounded by. Yeah, um, I mean, we're, I mean, Close is the greatest example of that, of, of somebody sure. who, you know, in the German setup was just, you know, one of the greatest strikers of all time. But you look at his club stats, and he was always just kind of, okay. But, I mean, the, you can do it again in this game, too. Like, Luke Shaw is nothing special over in, uh, in, in Old Trafford, but he, I thought he was great today, um, aside from the fact that he should have been sent off. Braden, any thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I mean, all right, maybe not sent off, but, yeah, it's certainly yellow cards. I thought that was an interesting thing in this game as well, is the ref really let them play as far as cautions and, and that sort of thing go, because there was a few. I, I also noticed, like, Mason Mount, like, doing the two-hand pull-down of Wea as, like, 
nothing like like, like i am so desensitized to mason mountain harry kane getting away with that shit that i just roll my eyes every time it happens uh charles no yeah i i think again one of the positives from the match for both sides you know in addition to getting a point is that there were no cards handed out um and especially when cards don't go away until the quarterfinals i think this time that's um so that that was a big advantage for both sides because the u.s does have a lot of guys on cards and as much as you know as much as Luke Shaw, you know, trying to take out, uh, I think it was, I think the tackle toward the end was on Wea, um, of just like going straight in, like is a borderline red card, and I wouldn't have been shocked had he been sent off, but at some time, I was kind of surprised that the match didn't get chippier as the ref clearly was not going to call anything and not going to hit out a card. Yeah, uh, I wonder if that's sort of a, a mutual understanding. So if you, uh, we're going to get dark here for a second, listeners. Um, if you go in and you read some of the old uh, documents about the passage of the uh, Geneva Conventions, basically what they agree is that they want to ban torture because they don't want their own people tortured, not because they have a problem with it. Um, <laughs> so it's sort of the same idea, like, hey, we won't go after your guys if you don't go after ours. Like, we get this guy's going to let stuff go, but let's kind of, you know, handshake agreement and not destroy each other because we both want to keep playing in this tournament. It definitely felt like there was a handshake agreement agreement between Burhalter and Southgate that we were just going to, you know, play it out and and get a draw and nobody's going to and just take a point and keep going. Yeah, Agreed. I mean, as far as the ref goes, I it was it was weird because like he was calling fouls. Like I thought it was he was pretty aggressive with calling the whistle, but just never carding. <laughs> it was a weird thing. Yeah, that um, was a that was a very weird balance on his part that he was trying to play. Yeah, and I guess it mostly worked. Like if you're going to do it, do it both ways. Like. That's fine. Yeah, and I mean, you want some, especially since it, there, there are so few games and yellow cards or uh, discipline in general is a, a tiebreaker. At points, it gets frustrating when you have super card happy desk with kind of a run-of-the-mill foul gets a yellow 10 minutes into the game against Wales. And then, you know, we have some real um, hard yellow bordering on orange cards in this game. And it's just like, oh, foul or not even a call. Um, yeah. But, I mean, it's it's part of the game, right? Yeah, I agree. Like, it's you you can only play with the ref you have. Like, <laughs> you yeah. gotta get over it real quick. Yeah. Um, so at the same time, we uh, we also sub in Aronson, seventy seventh minute for Weston McKenney. I think we all agree uh, Weston was was gassed. Uh, he's still coming back to fitness. Um, Charles, any thoughts on Aronson's game or whether we should have made the sub sooner or anything like that? Uh, I mean, I I think we should have made the sub sooner, but I feel like Burhalter was waiting to make the subs after Southgate did. I think that was a tactical thing that he seemed to be wanting to do. Um, I really like Aaronson's energy, especially for, um, especially for a game that in the first half I thought kind of lacked energy, especially on England's side. I think that he could have done a lot more um, to keep up our pace a little bit. And ultimately, I think one of the problems that the U.S. has is as much as the MMA midfield is good and they do a great job of shutting down things in the middle, you know, there's not enough creativity there. And for a team that lacks scoring punch, at some point, Berhalter's going to have to turn the dial to get more creativity there and more attacking presence inside. And I think Aronson's a good way of doing that. Yeah, I think we're going to talk a little bit more about this when we get to previewing the uh, the Iran game here towards the end. But uh, Braden, anything to add? I, I mostly agree. I I don't know how to take this up because I, I think when Aronson came on, like I don't think he came and made like a massive impact I, I think he did make a big impact in the Wales game like I, I think he got in there immediately and started uh, making a difference and kind of picking up the pace a little bit uh, but I, I think in this game he didn't really have that much of an effect and I you know 
McKinney's going to be one of the guys who can be a difference maker on, on this team. And I don't know if Aronson quite has that. Like, I think he has the ability to, to press and Harry and, and bring a little tempo, but like, I, I do think overall McKinney is a better player. And I think that's kind of been, um, Fairhalter's, uh, in, like, we also saw this in Wales where I think Fairhalter held on to McKinney just a little bit longer than he should have as he tired out because I think he sees him as one of the guys who can, you know, who can create that chance or whether it's getting on a set piece or his long throw in or like that sort of thing. I, I think he's been reluctant to take him off as when he should. And so we'll see if that um, happens again and with Iran. Well, I mean, if you look back to Weston's one of our primary goal scorers uh, yeah. for some reason. <laughs> Um, he just pops up and, and tends to to score at least for a while. He was there. Uh, so I, maybe... I think. Go ahead. Sorry, I, I think Weston's a good example of the kind of box to box midfielder that in the U.S. system can thrive, because ultimately, like those two eights in the middle, get a lot of free reign to get forward a lot of times. And you know, when Weston's healthy, he is really able to do that. It's also clear that he's not quite 100 percent in terms of fitness and sharpness yeah and i think that's gonna drag especially since we have what is it three games in eight days so i'm i'm hoping yeah. he's he's you know maybe some of this is precautionary and we're keeping him um ready to go uh not a ton kind of until the last few minutes of the game a few subs um rashford in for Saka. you know Saka, like we said got shackled by robinson um not a ton i think there uh we did find out Gio reyna is still alive uh, <laughs> any thoughts there, Charles? I don't. I'm not sure what to think of that at this point. Um, I know that there's been a lot of discussion and discourse about his level of fitness and health, uh, especially because it seems like him and the coach are on different pages about about that. Um, I think the other the other thing we like to think about is that, or one thing that we are not thinking enough about is, um, yes, he's. Yes, he's somebody who should be playing and should be being on the field. But at this point, I'm not sure who on the 11 I'd take him out for, unless we're starting, unless we're talking about a like big formation change to like playing a false nine, hey, uh, or something similar to that. Good like, plug. Yeah, thank you. And so ultimately, like, uh, you know, as much as we want to see Geo, we are entering a stage of the U.S. where a 19 year old who plays at Dortmund may not be a starter right now, well, and that's I a very different thing for us. I think uh, Seth on the, the last instant reaction we did basically said, hey, we got all these great players. You need to figure out how to get them on the field, Greg. And uh, I kind of like that approach because it absolves me of responsibility. Um, Raiden, <laughs> any thoughts here? Yeah, I I kind of also wonder where exactly his fitness is and if we're just being a little bit more cautious there. I, I kind of think Rain is going to play against Iran and get a start because I, I do think with – Iran probably settling into a low block, considering that they only need a draw to advance. I think Reyna's creativity may be key there. Um, as far as this game, like, Fran came on, like, good to see him. Um, hopefully we see more going forward. But I, I also agree, like, it's it's tough to say exactly who you want to take off, uh, unless you do want to go false nine. And I just, I'm not sure. I think that's always something that, sounds better than it actually is unless you have like someone who is really really capable and experienced of doing that and i don't know that that's geo right now yeah and i mean we might as well go ahead and do the the number nine conversation now too um sergeant comes in for haji right at the same time i don't know if i even have an opinion on haji right being in this game um 
he, you know, he kind of ran around and pressed a bit and I don't think he really had any, did he have any big chances? Am I missing anything? No. He missed, well, he put a header wide. Pretty okay, yeah, early, yeah, I remember that. But that was kind of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and that was a really tough chance. I would have been yes. impressed had he even gotten that on net just from where, where he was positioned. Like that's not, that'd have been a very tough thing to score. I thought he was fine. I don't think he, I don't think he really moves the needle on how good the U S can play, but I'm not totally sure any of the strikers do that. Um, Just, that's just a, you know, as much as we were talking about, you know, all the players being hot going into the summer, I'm just not sure that we have a guy who really like you put up there and you're just like, Oh no, that guy's going to be a problem for defenses, you know? Yeah, it's sort of a well, kind of you kind of mentioned it too. Like, well, who do you put in for him, right? Um, there are a number of different answers, but I don't think anyone you know kind of explodes out of the screen as like, oh, well, this is clearly the solution. Or I can't believe Burhalter didn't do that. It's sort of a a bunch of kind of C plus B minus choices. And you know, Sergeant yeah. came on. I thought he did fine, but it's not like I'm like, oh, well, those that ten minute cameo really sold me on Sergeant for uh, for next game. Yeah, I, I think the I think the hope for the U.S. is just one of the guys gets hot, <laughs> and yeah. you just kind of like ride that guy. Um, I that's kind of why I think we'll see Ferreira against uh, Iran. I think we'll see. Um, I mean, at some point he's just you just have to see if he's going to do it. You know. Yeah, Braden, any thoughts? I think you might see Ferreira against Iran if if we're up and Iran is chasing because I, I think that pacing behind could be really important, but. I expect Iran to sit back, and I don't know that he'll have the space to be able to work like he like he really needs to at like the highest level of, yeah. of what he wants to do. So I I could see him. I was a little surprised he didn't come in this game as well because I feel like, and maybe that's because Henderson came on and England was more about midfield and and getting a draw than trying to push for a win. Um, but I thought that Ferreira against McGuire and Stones might have been interesting, like. You know, it only takes one moment to slip it through a guy like that. And um, I would have liked to have maybe seen that, but I, I, Sergeant was fine uh, and yeah. Haji was fine. And I mean, yeah. maybe the thought here too is by the time we were going to bring Ferrer on, they dropped into that kind of deeper block and we're sitting yeah. in a little more, um, you know, let's not lose this game mode. Speaking of not losing this game, so we give up a, a late corner. Um, clear that great you know I'm feeling a lot better and then um, ball comes back around to our end we give up an absolutely stupid foul sets up a free kick Um, ball comes in Harry Kane's heads on it we've seen it a thousand times Um, puts it actually pretty wide Um, it wasn't really that close to to actually hitting the net but you don't want to be in that situation because that would have been game over and a literal fucking nightmare for Brayden and I fuck all that fuck <laughs> uh no i thought you know to me that chance was the chance england had been winning for the whole match and it yep. fell to fell to their guy because ultimately kane is you know the guy who's who's going to be responsible for how good this team does because he's he's the guy who's relied on to score and he got an open chance in the middle of the in the middle of the box and he completely blew it like i i think you know if you're looking at england if you're looking at um the match you know they played a they played a kg match that um uh obviously ended in a goal is draw and it was very tight but like they were playing to get that chance at some point you know they got their guy with an open header in front of goal and he missed it which is yeah. which is partially to say that if harry kane was a better player england would be better i mean that that's what i was thinking that's how i <laughs> heard that, that right? anything to add <laughs> yeah i mean i also well, 
England did this in the Euros against Scotland as well. Like, I, I can't remember if that was a nil-nil or one-one draw, but like just kind of played a miserable, terrible game and then got through and ended up going to the final. So like, I think England will be fine, and I think this is just what Southgate does. Um, but very happy to see a wide. Um, yeah, it's not an England pod. So, I, I mean, I'll also, I'll also say this: Rashford finishes that. <laughs> Uh, well, anyways, if Rashford got his head to it, Brad Stuber would have saved it, right? 100%. Um, <laughs> so I have a trivia question for you now that we've done the whole game wrap-up. Brayden, why do English pe- people say the word British the way they do? Because they're, they're not a little Brit. They're just British. Uh, Charles, any <laughs> guesses? Uh, I'm going to guess it's something has to, it was a written rule in the Magna Carta. Uh, no, that's incorrect. It's because we stole their tea and threw it in the fucking harbor. <laughs> um, <laughs> so with that cheery bit of a uh, commentary, let's move on and uh, a preview our our final game against Iran. Um, if you haven't been watching, Iran's very much a classic kind of sit deep and hit on the counter type of team, which normally I would say the U.S. is kind of fine to not great, but you know we're okay playing against. But they're really going to sit back because um, we need a win or we're out. Period. Draw won't do it. Uh, Iran's in kind of a complicated technical spot where if Wales beat England, uh, Iran could draw and still get knocked out, but I don't think they're going to look at it that way because Wales isn't going to beat England. Um, England actually has to play um, a full starting lineup now because they didn't beat us. Uh, so that actually, that's another advantage of the draw here. Uh, we have less to worry about with Wales. But uh, I guess, Charles, I'll let you take the lead here. What are you seeing? Any lineup changes? Um, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but how would you approach this game? Uh, I, I think the U.S. has to approach I, – I actually think they, they don't need to change that much for the first half. I think they need to come out and try to play their game and see how that works against what Iran's doing and get a better idea for what Iran's goal is in terms of if they are going to try to just like, hey, let's play our game. Let's try to nick a goal early. And, you know, at least make them to where, you know, they're going to have to score two. Because um, I think, because personally, I think that's a better strategy for them than just trying to, like, bunker down for 90 minutes is to try to make the U.S. put a crooked number on the board, which the U.S. so far has shown that they're not capable of doing. Um, I would ex- I would hope that Burhalter would, based on how the first half goes, make earlier subs and have a lot more urgency to the match, um, which is something that he did not do against England in the least. I'd like to see more creativity on the pitch. I'd like to see Geo play. I'd like to see Aronson get a shot either on on uh, either wing. Um, I'm interested to see if uh, Ferreira gets to play because I think at some point, if we are really needing a goal, Berhalter's just going to have to throw on attackers. He's just going to have to throw on guys who could finish and not care about a system and not care about the lineup. And if it's just like two center halves and Adams and a bunch of strikers. And we decide to like invert the pyramid the other way. I think that would be a great thing to see just to show that he's willing to go that level. Cause I'm not sure that Burhalter is willing to just like throw out the system for a goal. No. And we've seen it generally kind of on, I, I alluded to this a little bit home soil. Uh, we get in these really cagey positions under Greg and most of the time we kind of do just enough. We qualified for the World Cup on gold differential over Costa Rica. We kind of eked out the Gold Cup. We eked out Nations League. So, I mean, he has the record of kind of just doing barely enough to get us where we need to go. But like I said, those are all uh, in the U.S., not uh, however many miles away on the other side of the world. Braden, how would you approach this game? I think that take a spot on. Like, I think that we do need a little bit more creativity, but I, I don't know that we need to go crazy. I, I do think you could kind of see... Um, 
I don't know. If you want to bring Aronson on, like maybe you bring him on as at the number nine. Like you could you could have him be the guy who kind of triggers that press and you know, just really put in the work to get the ball back. Because I think the key to the U the US in this game, I think is gonna be something that they haven't done except for maybe a little bit in the first half of the Wales game, which is gonna be like sustained pressure on on the goal that they're trying to score in and hopefully they can they can do that but they're only gonna do it with like winning the ball back quickly and giving it back into our guys like we don't have a center forward that we can just count on to to bail us out like you know poland or something so i i really hope we see something to just kind of pick up the pace of this game because i think iran are gonna do a lot to kind of try to disrupt our rhythm if it's even if it's not about like you know them playing great i think it could just be we're gonna like boot the ball you know 50 yards down the pitch and hope that uh you know just make us recycle it and so anything we can do to get the ball back quickly and just recycle and uh keep that sustained pressure i think is going to be the key to this game the other thing I want to see change for this match in terms of tactics is that Pulisic should not be taking corners. <laughs> I was wondering if we were that's a fair that. point. <laughs> not, not just not, and this is less a comment on his ability on corners. I think he's a fairly average corner taker. I also think he's one of our best finishers, and I'm a big believer that you know on a corner you need to put all your best finishers in the box because you never know where the ball's going to land. Um, and so, but also like, I just think that what he's doing, other guys can do. Like, I don't see why Robinson can't, or, um, uh, even somebody like Wea or just like, you know, just get a cross in. Like, we're just trying to find the tall guys in the middle and it's not, these are all professional soccer players. They should be able to do that. I'm going to throw uh, this out there. Um, do you think Acosta gets any game time here for that reason of just, a, a guy who's good on a set piece and may be able to deliver it. Cause I think we expect to win the midfield battle in this one. Yeah, no, if we're chasing the game, I a hundred percent want to see Acosta in just for that reason. Cause his corners for LAFC, he is one of the best corner takers in MLS. And I didn't think that's something that gets overlooked in his abilities a lot. Cause we just like to focus on how good of a shithouser he is. Um, but he's really good at that. Yeah. And we, I mean, Braden, you and I talked about this on the, on the roster preview. We kind of said, Hey, I don't want to see him start, but you know, we need a goal. We need, you know, a set piece or something to, uh, to come in or a corner or something that just kind of, you know, dead, dead ball play, um, bring him in. Yeah, let's go. And we, we already checked off the cynical yellow card box. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, cynical we, yellow cards. So <laughs> the good. other thing we, uh, we need him for. Um, I, I legitimately think he saved that Wales game by taking that card against Bale because I, oh. I I know that the entire time after Bale would have hit that, we would have been like, oh no, this is going to score. Like the entire time, because it was just too much of a storybook for him not to do that. Yeah, I still have like mild flashbacks to Patrick Schick hitting that absolute laser bomb against Scotland. <laughs> and I just went, oh, well, I can quit watching this entire tournament now. So this is great um, in, the, in the first game. So yeah, that would have been uh, would have been nice. And Brayden, I think you said um, you would have been happy even if that was given as a red card, which I thought would have been ridiculous. But yeah, I agree with you. Like, yeah, 100%. Like, just you, you got to do something to save the game. And he stepped up and recognized the situation. So, uh, here's to him. It was, it was a great moment in the Wales game. And I hope he's got another good moment ahead of him. Like, I, I do think you talk about set pieces. He could be a difference maker here and, and put in the ball to see us through. So, here's to Kellen. Yeah, yeah and I think um, this England game and the way we played, because I thought we played quite well. I mean, obviously, we didn't get a goal. We could have done a couple things better, but... 
um, that kind of solidified, okay, yeah, we can stick with this formation. We can stick with the same starting 11, assuming, you know, everybody's fit and ready to go. Because uh, I was ready to, you know, chop up half the team and uh, put in Geo and Aronson and uh, switch a bunch of things around after um, after the Wales game. But I guess the other big question we'll have is, let's say we're going to do the same formation. Um, Charles, you said you would start Ferreira up top? I don't know that I'd start him up top. Um, I, I think I'd rather see Sargent up top. But I think that uh, if the U.S. is chasing the game, I think Ferreira somebody you should put out there. Okay, yeah, makes sense to me. Uh, Braden, who are you starting up top? I'm going to go with Aronson. Like, I, I really think – or Sargent. Like, I think both of them and – their ability to press and kind of trigger that is going to be real key in this game. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm sticking with Sergeant and then maybe have a very quick trigger finger on switching that around. Maybe even as, as soon as halftime, um, especially given the game state, my big worry here is I'm positive. Iran is going to score a goal in this game. Do we have two goals in us? Um, let's go ahead and do it. Braden game prediction. I'm going two nil us. Dosa Cero. All right, Charles. Uh, I hate to do this, but I think it's going to be a nil-nil draw. Nil-nil draw. Okay, I think we're going to go. Uh, we're going to go for a heartbreaking one-one draw. Or uh, I, I really am the only lost. one with optimism on this podcast. I know, Suffering I, is the first word of the title of this enough. podcast, Braden. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you want to look at it, uh, I just don't know that the U.S. is like really capable of scoring against a team that's really uh, back there defensively. I mean, we haven't, you know, they they got a goal against Wales, and then before that, they hadn't scored since Nations League. <laughs> so like i just think it's one of those things that like i'm my my biggest fear in this game is that iran gets a goal at any point because i just don't know i don't think the u.s is capable of scoring two goals in a match right now um big question let's say we have another uh landon donovan moment from 2010 to get us through uh charles what sort of insane celebration are you gonna do uh, well, unfortunately, I'm probably going to be working during the match, so what's probably going to happen is uh, I'm probably going to end up saying something inappropriate at work. Okay, no excuses. Play like a champion. Do what you got to do. Braden? Oh, man. I, I don't know. Like It's probably going to involve um, alcohol being thrown into the air in some way. Like, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't have anything better than that. Um, you can't think these things out. Like you, you have to be caught up in the moment just the same way as all the players are. So if you plan for it, like it, it, you've already lost, like we, you've got to just let the moment take control of you and, and do whatever feels right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I remember for the, for the Donovan goal, I was working downtown at the time and um, I was following the, following the match, uh, but not watching just kind of like game casting it or whatever. Cause it was, you know, so long ago. Um, but after he scored, like there were cheers on the streets and i was like oh we're a soccer country now uh and people my coworkers, who knew i was a soccer fan were like what happened did something happen and i had to explain to them the importance of it <laughs> uh yeah good point so like you said Braden, you can't really control yourself i just finished a uh, rebuilding a fence for my parents and then i promptly ran through it um <laughs> after the whole ran, ran out of the house and like full like movie style um knocked out a few boards so i had some work to do later that afternoon because wasn't that game at like seven o'clock in the morning or something like that oh yeah no it was in the morning i think the goal happened like 9 a.m or something like that okay yeah i guess it would have been an hour later for you Braden. um or, or yeah later um okay any predictions in the england wales game uh Braden? 
I, I think it's going to be a goal fest that England wins. I think it's going to be 3-2 England. 3-2, Charles? Yeah, I was thinking like a 4-2 England. I think that uh, I think England's just going to have too much for them, and Wales is going to be without their starting keeper. True, and uh, Danny Ward is a dumpster fire of a keeper if anybody's been watching Leicester this year. Yep. Um, I'm going to go – I. Wales looked awful the other day, but maybe they, they wanted to get up and, and play well for the U.S. and play well for England and kind of overlooked Iran. I'm going to go 4-1 England. Um, the only hesitancy I have about it being a goal fest is Southgate's, you know, he showed against the U.S. He's going to go back and do his little hide everybody in the little turtle shell thing again. So I, I don't know if they're going to get out enough to, to score that many goals. Um so my thinking about it is, you know, Wales not only have to win, but they've also got to make up goal difference. Um, yeah, looking at it, so I, like, I think that they really have to, to go for it. Um, and so I think England will just be presented with chances um, from Wales throwing people forward. Yeah, w- Wales needs to win by th- at least three, I think, to even have a chance. Uh, um, no, if we draw and Wales our... wins, Wales goes through. Would Wales go through over Iran? Oh, yeah, because Iran's minus two on goal differential. Never mind. Yeah, they're both minus two, and obviously if they win and Iran doesn't, then their yeah. goal differential will improve. All the so, permutations, all the research here. Got to do something when I'm up watching those games at 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so so who are, are, what are we think? I, I feel as though I'm the most pessimistic about the U.S.'s chances, but are we thinking that it's going to be England and Iran um, advancing? Uh, I had England and Iran before the tournament, and I'm going to stick with that now. I'm going England, U.S. I, I, I think, I think U.S. beats Iran. I, I think we get it together and, and make it happen. Um, biggest moment from suffering. I'll let Charles go first here from the England game. Uh, of suffering, I think it was. Um, I think it was the second time Weston had a chance and just completely skied it. Because <laughs> um, I, because uh, I know from being an Austin fan, like, and playing a similar system to what the U.S. plays, like we've seen, Weston is kind of like the U.S.'s Alex Ring in the sense that like he does a lot of really good things all over the field, but his finishing is so bad that that's just what everybody focuses on. Mm-hmm. And watching him like get into a good position and then just like completely miss the shot, I was just like, oh, this is Alex Ring. I've watched this before. Like, uh, and it just imbued with me no confidence that we were going to score. <laughs> Brayden. Uh, for me, and we, we talked very briefly on this earlier, it was uh, Desk with a, a strong run into the box. I think he had a moment to play Haji right in, and I, I think mm-hmm. like that would have been a really good opportunity, but he chose to take it himself, which I think is fine, but when you do that, you have to you have to get a shot off. And, and to see McGuire you know, block that <sighs> opportunity was just really disappointing because I, I really felt like that could have been – the one moment we needed and just wasn't meant to be. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, we said, obviously Pulisic rings one off the underside of the bar, like it drops an inch. It's in, right. Yeah. Uh, I think that was our best move of the game that, that desk play, uh, even though it didn't, you know, peter out into, into as much. One thing I did guess I forgot to ask you guys, um, Charles, you can start here. Do you think it's maybe a blessing in disguise? We didn't score early and make England open up and kind of switch up to a higher um, offensive gear. I mean, I think part of me thinks no, because I think that would have given the U.S. a lot of confidence, and I think it's a confidence team. Mm -hmm. I'm also – I'm unsure what changes England would make to be more attacking in their midfield besides just, like, Foden, who I don't think Southgate's willing to play. Mm 
Um, and and the other part of that is that I think the U.S. is a better counterattacking team. Like I think that's something that we, as much as Greg wants to play a very you know possession based style and very aggressive or not aggressive but very possession based, I think we're better for playing a mid block and just like trying to create space behind for Wea and Pulisic to run into. So I think that actually, you know, if, if we're talking about getting Pulisic one-on-one with Maguire in space, I think that's a win for us. So England coming out probably would have been... Uh, Braden, anything to add? I think I agree with everything you said. I pretty much agree with that. And and I would just also add that I, I'm very much in... Like, you take the goal in the situation <laughs> in a World Cup. Sure, like, obviously. I'm not saying, like, send goal. it back. Yeah. And, and, like, even if England have to open up more and, and that, you know, they get the chances that they weren't singly wanting to go for at nil nil um you just that's something you have to live with and that's something this team has to learn how to handle because they didn't handle it against wales they resented that exact challenge and and couldn't handle it so uh, they'll need to figure that out um that could be a key thing in the iran game as well as whether they figure out that specific problem of okay we scored now the other team is you know working their way back into this game how do we deal with it yeah and i think that's kind of my big hang up about the I mean even just from the opening whistle of game state against Iran we looked better against England because we were playing a lot more counter-attack and we do that better and we were kind of saying hey sag off make them make a play and we looked a lot better doing it um we had to kind of take the game against Wales and you saw this sometimes uh, on the road in CONCACAF qualifying or we just you know we played well in spells but um we also looked lost and we don't have that that killer finisher up top to, you know, bang in two, three, four goals and go, okay, see you later. Let's put on some fun subs. Uh, and Iran's game is sit back and, and hit on the counter. Uh, it's not like our center backs are imbued with, you know, godlike pace. Uh, so I, and Iran has some good finishers up top. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think an early goal would go a long way, which is sort of a truism about any game, I guess. Um, uh, Charles, any, anything to add here? Um. Yeah, I, I think the I think the U.S. is going to be presented with a challenge that they're used to, in the sense that they're playing a team that wants to counterattack, um, and and who's good at defending deep, which is kind of our entire group, really. Um, I I really hope that Greg understands the need for creativity and that he's just going to have to go for it. Uh, Braden, let's sidewinder this question a little bit. Do you think, I mean, most of these guys probably weren't even born when 98 happened. I guess some of them were. Um, and we lost to Iran. Do you think Burhalter brings that up or anything along those lines? Does that, does that play any level of factor? Um, I mean, probably. Like, I think it probably comes in as a, like, don't think you're better than them. Like, the last time we played, they beat us. So in the same way that you say, you know, England haven't fucking beat us in the World Cup. Like, why are they so good? As as I think you say that to kind of get your guys ready for that challenge. I think you you might do the, just say that to kind of bring them down a bit and make sure that they're doing all the hard work and all of the the kind of little things that we definitely saw against England of everyone putting in a shift. I, I think you might see a little bit of that of just bringing it up for that, but I don't think it's going to be a like. Nick Arteta bring up the uh, nice kick about with the boys tweet before every Brentford match. <laughs> I am upset. This is a light bulb. <laughs> Everybody be a potato. Um, uh, Charles, I guess, what do you expect your biggest moment of suffering watching this Iran game to be? And you can't pick being at work. 
Oh, that, that's fair. Uh, I think my, my biggest point of suffering is every minute we have that where we haven't scored a goal. Uh, because the entire time I'm just going to be, or at least not when we're not leading, like, or in a position where the U.S. is going to advance to the knockouts of just, like, that tension is just going to grow and grow the entire time. Um, and it's just going to be a, like, pain-hate watch of, like, of just, like, hoping that in Algeria is going to happen again. Why do we do this to ourselves pretty much? Um, Brayden, same question. I'm going to go the 60 minutes between lineups coming out and the game starting. (laughs) All the second guessing that goes on there. Yeah, I basically like take myself and do a Zen meditation for the first half of that. And then I kind of look like I'll look at it and then I'll kind of just zone out, won't look at anything on my phone or anything like that. And then I'll kind of jump in and be like, oh, okay, everybody else already yelled about this. So I can save my time and energy to uh, screaming at my television during the game. The the tweets and comments during that sixty minutes, however, is the best thing to go back and look through after the match, because yes. <laughs> that is where you will find the most like, be like, okay, this is what we thought, and okay, now we know, and now we know what we should. Now we see all of these people who are just aggressively wrong. Every single one is a full blown study in uh, psychology about um, micro rage or uh, a micro study in uh, in rage and and the capacity for human irrationality. Um, <laughs> I guess for me, I think, um, I don't really know. I, I, I still have my, in my pocket, we're going to give up a, a terrible set piece goal that's going to knock us out of this tournament. And I said in the preview when we did the group, it was going to be the Iran game. And I, as I mentioned about Kiefer Moore, I fucking hate being right. So um, I really hope I'm not right about that. And the longer that game goes on and we're not, you know, two or three or safety number of goals up, um, I, I think that's going to sink on me. I guess the other kind of tight end question, Braden, you hit on it a little bit. Um, when do you start getting supremely nervous? Because I assume we're all a little nervous right now. Um, what's kind of the timeline for you? Oh, um, supremely nervous probably happens at around the 15th minute mark of the game. Because like that's when I've been like, I, I have an idea of how it's going to play out before the game. That's always very optimistic. And then like in the first few, 15 minutes, I'm like, Oh, Oh no. <laughs> and that's when it gets really, really bad. Uh, Charles. That that's a really good point. Actually. Uh, I think, uh, I think the worst part of it is the, is going to be the, the time between that 15 minutes and whenever subs happen. Because that is when you uh, are locked into what the game is, and you mm-hmm. basically have to cheer for the two or three instances where you think something's good's going to happen. And anytime the ball is not doing that for your team, you just have this like sense of uh, foreboding that something bad is about to happen at any time. Yeah, I kind of have this period where it's between like maybe like the third and the fifteenth minute where I'm just like, "Fuck, why haven't we scored yet? Fuck, why haven't we scored yet?" And like rationally, I'm like, "Well, that doesn't happen that often," but. Um... <laughs> There's and no rationality in soccer. Let's calm down. No, that's not the theme of this podcast. We do vibes, not research here. Um, and then I kind of have the same thing happen in the second half. So yeah, I think like kind of your classic sub window is when in the game, I'll get um, a little more nervous. Uh, Charles, how about before the game? When do you start freaking out? I, I For me, it's lineups. Because as soon as the lineups come out, that's really like, and this is like an ingrained human schedule thing of like, oh, the lineup's out. We're playing in an hour. And then you have that just like nervousness of the hour of like just wanting to speed up life to get to kickoff. 
Um, and as much as you know, it's talking about lineups is, interesting choice. Yeah, it's <laughs> like it's like no, like let's. Hey, I'm the person who rips off the bandaid. Like that's exactly yeah. what it is. And so I'd, I'd much rather just be like, wake me up in an hour if I could sleep, which I can't. Um, <laughs> would would be much better than just like that hour of talking about lineups and like thinking through what's going to happen and trying to think about what's going to happen and just like only thinking about <laughs> just like disaster. Uh, Brayden, how about you? Yeah, I, before the match, it's probably day of. Like, it's when you wake up and have, like, that first cup of coffee, and it's like, all right, it, like, it's happening today. <laughs> that That's when I start getting, like, actually nervous. Like, it's, you know, before then, it's all like, yeah, this can go one way or another, and it's just kind of thinking about it, but you get to the day of, and it's like, all right, this is really, really happening, and, and that's when I start getting a little nervous. Well, this will be a little better for, for both of us. I don't know if you've been getting up for all the 4 a.m. games, but uh, I don't have to get up at 4 a.m. And, and watch the early game like we did for, for this past England one. Uh, so I think I'm going to start to get nervous when the Group A knockouts or final games are done and you see you know, the teams that are knocked out just despondent. Um, I mean, there's a little less to play for in, in one of those because Qatar's already up, but um, and you see, like, just the anguish on everyone's face. And I'm going to go, oh, shit, we need to score some goals or that's going to be us in a couple yeah, of hours. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, and it's really, it's yeah, really going to set in. Yeah, that Ecuador-Senegal game is basically they're in the same situation that the U.S. and Iran are. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Netherlands are probably going to smack Qatar. And so that they'll, they'll advance. But, you know, the, the, the nervousness of Ecuador and Senegal is definitely going to carry over into, like, the U.S. nervousness of that match because they are in the same position as we are. Yeah, once you get kind of that frantic game state, I'm assuming it's going to be like not a blowout or something. Once you get that frantic game state in there, it's going to set in and go, oh, we're going to do this real soon. Okay. Okay, great. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm real intelligent and took the day off work instead of just the afternoon. Um, so <laughs> might be a little envious of, uh, of you there, Charles. Um, either of you, anything you want to add before we get out of here other than go USA? The only thing I want to say is we didn't talk about him a lot, but he was absolutely fantastic in, in every part of his job uh, against England. That's Tyler Adams. Like whether it's being a leader, whether it's uh, like the actual like um, defensive midfield job that he did, absolutely fantastic. Loved his performance and um, hope to see more of it. Yeah, actually, I jumped the gun on this. Um, besides Tyler Adams, uh, Charles, who is your MVP? You know, I. I... I think it was Pulisic because I think that he was really the impetus for a lot of our attacking movement. And I think he, um, as much as we do shoulder a little too much onto him in terms of doing that, he also is the one who really looked the most dangerous. Uh, Adams was great. I saw a, uh, an England passing chart was getting around online and basically there's a zone in the middle of the pitch where there were no passes and that, and somebody just like, edited in putting a picture of tyler adams there and they're like fyi this is why zonal marking works yeah and if you have a a player like adams who can just shut down the middle of the park for the other team and part of that is also just that like you know an adams against harry kane physicality match is something adams is always going to win because he's just too quick for him um but it really goes to show how much that position and especially adams in it really shuts down another team when he's playing well yeah, absolutely. I definitely saw that, and that's uh, uh, maybe we can tweet that out, um, and we'll uh, we'll let everybody take a look at it. Um, we kind of talked about him already. I'm going to go with Anthony Robinson just because you know getting up the pitch and getting high, 
um, and getting some attacking threat in and shackling, you know, one of the hardest people to stop in, in world football in Saka, uh, especially on that, that play we talked about at the end of the first half where he follows him all the way across the goal and, um, you know, maybe he saves a goal, maybe he doesn't. It was a difficult chance, but um, there's pressure on him and it, it's so much harder to hit those um, when he does. Charles, who is uh, kind of not, having the best day for you i want to give everybody like an mvp because that was a good result and i think we have good energy going into the iran game but who if you had to pick who was kind of your you know maybe needs to pick it up a little bit i mean i i think the the obvious pick there is Haj, right um mm-hmm. just because i i he not that he played badly i think he was just kind of there and i don't i don't know that the u.s is really going to be able to um, advance and put up the goals that, or put up the number of goals that we need for the striker who's just kind of there. Yeah, and I don't know if that was kind of what he was asked to do, or if that's just sort of what. Because I mean, it seems like all of our strikers are just kind of there a lot of the time. So I wonder if it's a tactical thing. Yeah, um, I, I, I think with sorry, yeah. I think with the U.S., I think they definitely play the nine more as a like space occupier, especially up front. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think one of the disconnects on the U.S. team is we don't do a good job of getting players behind that spot where the space should be opened up to be able to work in. Um, I think that's where, where we saw the goal against Wales was Pulisic was able to get in that space and get the counterattack going. So I'd like to see more of that. Um, part of it is is just that I just don't think Wright is capable of, of doing a lot at this level. He just doesn't seem like... He, he doesn't seem to, to get in positions to get the ball. He doesn't get himself open for chances. He's just kind of occupying a, a defender. Yeah, he's a big dude. Check him out if we need a goal. Otherwise, start one of the other guys. Brendan, anything to add? Yeah, as far as Haji, like I, um, I kind of agree. It's it's right that um, it all of our number nines, except for probably Ferreira, who is a little bit more of a like guys trying to get him behind. Like all those yeah. are just kind of guys who trigger presses and um, like kind of occupy center backs and, and that sort of thing. We'll, we'll say that and so take up space. Um, yeah. Well, I think Ferrer also can can drop deep and 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 get the ball and kind of initiate offense that way. Yeah, um, yeah. And other guys can't. And then Sergeant, you know, is his hold of play is good, but he can't do that. And and other can write. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As far as me, for the guy who probably needs to pick it up a bit, um, it, this is gonna be real harsh because I think everyone played pretty well uh, for the game. Uh, but my pick's gonna be Dust. I think like that decision making uh, just has to be a little bit better. Um, because and it's harsh, but. This is a level we're at. You're one of the best players uh, on the team. Uh, we need that from you. So uh, it's it's harsh, but that's what I'm doing. Nothing's going to ever keep. All right, sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm contractually obligated to do that every time we mention him now. Um, no, I agree. I, he was actually going to be my pick, too. Like, it's not like he had a bad game, but we need him to be better, right? Yeah, I, I fully agree. I, I don't think he was bad. I think everyone was good, but just slightly better would be could be the difference for us yeah uh, I, I hope attacking a in, in theory deep lying iran team might allow him some more positional freedom to get forward um I, I do wonder if that was a little bit tactical in terms of uh going against england setup but i do want to see him on the ball more i think is the biggest thing because he's he's so dynamic when he gets the ball and gets in space that i hope we get to see that against iran desk yeah. outside the box banger for uh for your anytime goal score pets Yes, uh, I'm still waiting on my Nick Lima one, so we'll we'll hopefully get better odds with that. <laughs> um, I, I kept waiting for it in the playoffs, like, oh, he's going to win us a playoff game finally, and well, he didn't. But um, 
Uh, I'm going to kind of go in that similar vein, and I still think he's actually my first name on the team sheet for Iran in the forward position, but I'm going to go with Tim Weah, not because I think he had a bad game, but he's one of those people that is direct, and he's the guy who's supposed to go get us a goal in this sort of game. Um, and I don't think that, I mean, there were a couple of moments where he, he had a good move and he, he played somebody in, but I don't think there was ever that get the ball and just go at a defender and put him on their heels and make him nervous. And, um, I think not doing that, especially earlier in the game made, uh, made England a little more comfortable with, uh, with the way they were playing. Uh, again, it's not a criticism. I, I still think he needs to play. I, he's maybe a con or a contestant for that number nine spot too. Um, plays there on occasion for Lille. They they, they kind of stick him all over the field. Um, Charles, anything to add there? Uh, I, I think that would be an interesting look to see to see Wea as like the nine leading the line. I just think that's a waste of a player who's really good on the ball. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I think kind of what I was getting at here is he can come back and kind of receive it and and distribute it and maybe turn a guy kind of like you, what you were talking a little bit with Pereira. Um, not just kind of be a body in there for for crosses, but we'll, yeah. Yeah, I, I just think if you're going to do that, I think I, one of the reasons why a false nine works is that you have wingers or, or players that wide who are able to run behind. Mm -hmm. And I think that way is exactly that kind of player who would play really well in that system. And same with Pulisic. I think that that, that ultimately would um, kind of unlock them a little bit. And I, I, so I wouldn't necessarily want, I, th I think in that system, way is best served as one of the wingers and not as the nine. Uh, Braden, anything to add? Yeah, I mostly agree with that as far as Wayo. Like, I think we want him finishing finishing those chances. And, and maybe someone like a, a Sergeant Arison, like being the guy who connects. And, I, you know, Sergeant isn't going to like come drop in and like really connect play, but he can hold the ball up, get it to uh, get it to Musa or Pulisic or someone to, to advance it forward. Well, I mean, that's kind of how our goal was scored, though, against Wales, though, is Sergeant yep. comes in and, uh, and flicks it off, and then Pulisic has room to run because he's drawn the center back out. Yeah, uh, and then that center back holes where he passes it through and way up pops it in with a great finish. So, um, yeah, I don't know, but I want to know. And uh, <laughs> I'm already starting to get nervous the more we talk about this. So um, uh, one person we didn't talk about at all that I do kind of want to hit on. And uh, Braden, you can take the lead here. Um, Matt Turner, outside of a couple dribbles where I had my um, uh, heart in my throat, uh, where he's been hanging out with Aaron Ramsdale too much. Uh, any, <laughs> any thoughts for you? Uh, I thought he had a good game when the ball wasn't at his feet. And I mean, he completed all of those. He was fine. You know, we didn't actually have a turnover that led to something crazy. Uh, is that striker? That That is striker. Yes. Uh, I'm sure there's okay. some Hi, striker. very, very dangerous uh, dog walking by or, or something <laughs> out in front of the yard. <laughs> uh, striker just got jealous because uh, um, he knew that Scarlett was on the podcast yesterday. So, but uh, Matt yeah. Turner, <laughs> Yeah, I thought Turner was was pretty good. Uh, and like you said, we didn't have a ton to do, but he did a good job of going to claims and crosses and, and kind of making sure that situations that can turn into dangerous opportunities did not. Uh, he had the good save on mount shot, and that was kind of all he really had to do. Uh, I agree with you as far as like taking a walk about at times, but yeah, you know, like he completed it, and we may need something like that. So I I kind of thought it was. I don't want to say good to see that from a keeper. It makes me nervous, but you know, his, he did look to restart uh, play and get it into our, you know, whether it was, he went to Robinson several times or, or to just really try to start a counterattack, that sort of thing. I think it could be really key for us. 
Yeah, um, I, I hope this doesn't come down to a Matt Turner dribbles out to start a counterattack, but it would be very on brand with the theme of the show. I'm here for um, it. Charles, any thoughts on uh, Turner either uh, about the game or going forward? Uh, no, I, I agree about um, him trying to, to put some energy into the counterattack and, and respond quickly. I thought that's something that the U.S. really could do a lot more of. Uh, I thought he looked good. Uh, he, he did a good job of like high-pointing the crosses that came in, and you know he was there on the shot that the one save he really needed to make, he made. Um, I think it was a pretty typical Turner performance for the most part. I think he's a, a really solid keeper. I don't think he's... You know, he's not like a fantastic world-class guy, but he he's going to make the saves he needs to make, and he isn't going to completely screw up. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I hopefully that's all we need. Uh, the more I see replays of that mount shot, I'm like, oh, that was actually a really good save. I thought it was kind of you know routine at the time, and then they showed the reverse angle, and I was like, oh, okay, actually, uh, you know what? Thanks, Matt. Uh, I'm not sure the other uh, keepers we have are getting to that. So, um, well, especially after like being bored for the rest of the match, like he didn't really have a whole lot to do, and so like. You know, if you if you're if you play a, if you play a game for ninety minutes and you only like really have to be like hyper focused for like that one moment during the ninety to get the save, like that's a very that is something not all keepers are able to do. Yeah. Um, and so I was happy to see that you know he really does have that kind of focus and, and shot stopping ability. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to add before we get out of here? I think I'm good. Okay. Braden, Charles. Anyone? Uh, uh, follow the False Nine uh, Texas on Twitter. Uh, we're a little bit of a writing hiatus because uh, Austin season is not going, and we're World Cup focused. Uh, but yeah, we uh, we follow Austin FC in a lot of different and very uh, amusing ways. We write about a lot of interesting nonsense revolving around the team, and we're looking forward to next season already. Okay, sounds good. Oh, I meant to ask you, um, how many employees do you have that haven't been arrested in Qatar still? Uh, it's it's a dwindling number. Uh, I'm not going to talk about any uh, rescue operations that may or may not be happening, Uh-oh. Um, but we are running into a lot of trouble with the uh, authorities. Uh, we're really disappointed that somebody got arrested for hotboxing one of the temporary uh, housing settlements, but, you know, that's just <laughs> what happens. Hey, I mean, you got a tent. What are you going to do with it? You got to hotbox it, right? Exactly. I mean, that's what they were built for. Yeah, uh, and that's uh, at the false nine nine spelled out TX on Twitter. Um, you can follow Braden at TFA Braden on Twitter. You can follow us at Suffering Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, SufferingFromJoy.com. We would also love if you would rate, review, and subscribe for us on Apple Podcasts. Um, reviews, I'm told, drive our SEO and help people find us. So if you think other people need to listen to our rambling nonsense, um, great, leave us a review, even if it's not nice. Um, we're going to hopefully have some prizes for people who start leaving reviews. Um, and I'll make sure anybody who uh, leaves one before we, we actually announce that um, gets, gets backlogged and, and included in that. So uh, don't, don't hold your gunpowder dry uh, waiting for those to be announced. I just have to double check on some logistics stuff. Um, but I think we did, did some good work here. Uh, anything else you want to add? Final call, uh, Braden? No, I, I think we're all good. Charles? No, we're good. We're, uh, you know, excited for Tuesday. Yeah, and we're uh, we're hopefully going to get to do this again, and hopefully uh, if the U.S. does their job, we'll have another one later, and I'm sure there will be plenty of suffering to go around, and uh, <laughs> uh, we wish you all the best of luck and hope, hope the U.S. pulls it out. Once again, thanks for suffering with us. Bye. Promise here for Austin Jarrett Stroud. It's Diego for goodness! He has written his name into Austin folklore. They just... Won't go away. Oh, he hits the upright again. 
It's impossible. The Bears season's going to end on a double doink. Altidore squares it. Dempsey's missed it. Donovan has it. From hope, there is glory.